The Bible tells us that if you really love your child, you'll apply some loving discipline to your son or daughter. Proverbs 29:15, the rod and reproof give wisdom. Trent Griffith says, it's not hard to see when it's missing. But a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. How many of you have seen this mother at the mall being brought to shame by her child? because the child is out of control, begging, whining, pulling, grabbing, and mom doesn't know what to do because she didn't know the first half of the verse. The rod and reproof give wisdom. Welcome to Resonate with Trent Griffith, senior pastor of Gospel City Church in Granger, Indiana. I'm Aaron Paulus. Every child ever born, except for Jesus, has a built-in desire to run the show. If we put it in computer terms, it's as if we all come straight out of the box with hard drives that are already infected with a virus. It's like our software is corrupted from the get-go. As we heard Pastor Trent begin to explain last week on Resonate, your sweet, adorable, innocent-looking little baby basically wants to be God. It's something the book of Proverbs calls folly, a spiritual foolishness an innate self-centeredness. Well, thankfully, the Bible not only diagnoses the problem in every child, but also provides the solution. We're about to recap a few of last week's highlights from Pastor Trent, and then he'll conclude this message. The title is, Loving Parents Provide Loving Discipline. Here's Trent Griffith. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse five. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. This is a quotation from the Old Testament. This is actually from Proverbs chapter three, verses 11 and 12. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Don't be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves. Do you see the balance? It's because he loves me that he disciplines me and chastises every son whom he receives. And so we start with this understanding. God disciplines every child as an act of love. So what are we talking about? We talk about loving discipline. I wanna give you a definition. Every word of the definition is very important. Here it is. Loving discipline is a measured amount of momentary pain. Notice it's a measured amount of momentary pain supplied by loving parents in response to rebellion by a child to offset the momentary pleasure of sin and rescue him from a lifetime or an eternity of self-inflicted pain. So let's get real practical about this. And uh, what should we do? There's been an offense. There's been defiance. What do I do as a parent? I want to model God. I want to discipline and love. How do I do it? Well, understand this. First of all, take aim at the heart. You're like, I thought it was the bottom, that little fatty piece on the back there. And you're like, no, no, no. Listen, that's the avenue to the heart. But listen, it's a heart issue. Please understand this. The problem with children is not the evil surrounding them. The problem with children is the evil indwelling them. The heart of the problem is the problem of the heart. 
And the parent's target is the heart. The heart is the controlling agent for behavior. Notice this, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Folly is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, so notice something about your child. When he comes home from the hospital on the day or a couple of days after he's born, he comes home with a tank on the inside. It's fully loaded. It's spilling over. Label on the outside of the tank is foolishness. You got another tank on in there. This one's bone dry. Label on the outside of that one's wisdom. Job of a parent, extract the foolishness, fill up the wisdom. That's the job. So here's the problem. There's a lock on the inside of this tank and I got to find the key. Well, the Bible tells me what the key is, something called a rod. And the rod provides the discipline, the physical pain that unlocks the tank so you can drain the folly. What is this folly, this foolishness? There's something on the inside of a kid's heart trying to convince him he can live his life as if God doesn't exist. And if he listens to that voice, not only will he live as if God doesn't exist, he'll live as if he was God. There is no God. There is no God. I am God. Mom and dad, come bow down and worship me as God. I will scream in the middle of the night at three o'clock in the morning, even though my diaper has been changed and my tummy is, is full and I'm not sick and I don't have an ear infection. I just want to sleep in your bed <laughs> because I am God. That's in there. It's foolishness. And you know what many parents do? Oh yes, we bow down. <laughs> We welcome you into the throne room and set you upon the throne. And we all bow to, no, listen, folly's bound in the heart of that child. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Now, Jeremiah 17, 9 tells us more about the heart. This is true of every person here. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Yes, I just called your child sick. He's sin sick. It's got a terminal disease. It's the S-I-N virus. Kills us all, okay? And we're doing battle against that sin on the inside of them. Matter of fact, if you still have your Bible open to Hebrews chapter 12, the whole passage starts out with this little phrase. If you look back up at uh, verse four, do you see what it says? In your struggle against sin. That's what it is. Your kids are struggling with sin. And you come alongside of them with discipline to help them win that battle. The heart's deceitful above all things, desperately sick. Who can understand it? So all of the behavioral issues come from the heart. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance for from it flow the springs of life. It all springs out of the heart. Jesus said it this way in Mark chapter seven, verse 20. For from within... Out of the heart of man come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. Whew. Anybody want a kid like that? You know, like, we're going to make some rules against that. From now on, no more slander. That ought to fix them. Uh, no more theft around here. We got rules against that. 
Matter of fact, we, there's, we got verses to back it up. Thou shalt not steal. That, that'll fix it. it. It might conform them to some moral code or even religious code, but it's not gonna fix their heart because Jesus said all of these things, these evil things come from within. It's the monster that lurks within. And we as parents have to get to the heart. So listen, the goal of our parenting is not to conform people to our behavior. Our goal is to help them understand your behavior is messed up because your heart's messed up. And I can't fix your heart, only God can, unless the Lord builds the house. And so our job as a parent is to reach their heart so we can direct their heart to the heart of God. That's the job of a parent. It's taking aim at the heart. You can have all kinds of rules, all kinds of discipline, all kinds of punishment that conforms behavior. But if you miss the heart, you raised a little self-righteous Pharisee. Number two, start early. Now I'm looking at a lot of young parents and, and I don't even have to look. We hear you, we hear you coming and uh, we're trying to help you out here. And let me just share, you know, it's from some years of experience here. I've met a lot of parents that don't start early enough. This, this starts early, it's like, how early? I would answer that by saying, whenever the child understands the word, no, it's time to start. So here's a little junior, he's crawling across the living room floor and he looks up and on the coffee table, he sees your Starbucks drink. And because his heart is desperately wicked, he thinks it's good. And so he pulls himself up on the coffee table and he looks at you and he looks back at the drink and he looks at you and you say, no. And he grabs that drink and looks at you and is like, what are you gonna do about it? I am God. <laughs> Who are you to tell me I can't have what I want? You ain't the boss of me. That's time to start right there. That's when you start. When they cross the line and now it is a battle for the heart. Who's going to control me? Am I, is my heart gonna control me or is the heart of God gonna control me? Is the heart of my parent being controlled by the heart of God going to control me? Because my heart is deceitful, desperately wicked and you gotta start early. Andrea and I have experienced this. We, we, again, we have not done this all the right, but the greatest, one of the greatest things, we were just surrounded by godly parents and we were in a godly community when our kids were really young. And so we started early and you know what we discovered? By the time our children turned five, 80% of our physical discipline was over. You just start early. And then they learn, it's like, okay, things don't go too well when I disobey. I want things to go well. And so they learn that. Number two, expect first time obedience. Really? You could really, do you really believe you can expect your child to obey everything you say every time you say it, the first time you say it? You're like, you could expect that, but it ain't happening. What are you gonna do about it? So here's little Susie and she's got mommy's iPhone and she's watching Dora the Explorer. What do they watch these days? I don't know. They're watching. So she's all into this, but it's time for bed. 
And mommy comes and says, Susie, you need to put down mommy's iPhone and you need to run upstairs, put your pajamas on, jump in the bed. Do it now. Susie, little precious. Um, I guess you didn't hear mommy, but I want you to put the iPhone down. I need you to run upstairs, put your pajamas on, jump in the bed, do it now. <laughs> Susie, I've had such a hard day. I've got to deal with all your siblings over here. And then there's your dad. And it's just so hard at home. If you love me, you would put the iPhone down and go upstairs and put your pajamas on and go to bed. Please, I'll give you ice cream. <laughs> we'll go to Cedar Point. I'll buy you a dress. Susie, I have had it up to here with you. Put that iPhone down or I will kill you. to count to three. <gasps> One. <gasps> Two. <gasps> Susie puts the iPhone down, goes up the stairs, puts her pajamas on, jumps in bed. Why? Because she's seen mom get to three. <laughs> and it's painful. And there's consequences when mom gets to three. There ain't pain, there ain't consequences and all this other thing. She's experiencing pain, but I'm not experiencing pain. I don't have to move since she gets to three. She's trained me that she really doesn't expect me to obey until she gets to two and, <gasps> and a half. Why not just save yourself the trouble and expect her to obey the first time? And if she doesn't obey the first time, there's a painful consequence so that tomorrow night you never get to two and a half. Amen. <laughs> that was from a man who never saw his father get to two and a half, I can tell. That's right. It's the only fair way to discipline a child because the kid never knows. Like, is mom gonna lose it today? Or is this gonna be consistent? That's the next thing. You gotta be consistent. Every day, all day, same thing, every time. And you gotta follow a consistent pattern. Hey, Andrew and I, you know, our kids would act up. We, we kind of had this pattern and it sounded something like this. Okay, you need to go to your room and sit there on your bed. I'm gonna be in there a minute. You need to think about what you did. Go in the room. You need to take, take them to a private place. You don't do this on aisle three in Walmart, okay? It's like, okay, what did you do? You ask the questions because questions appeal to the conscience. Making accusations harden the will. So you ask the question, what did you do? I don't know. Yeah, you do. Like, you, you see the blood coming from the nose of your brother? How'd it get there? Yeah, you balled up your fish, you punched him in the nose. Why did you do that? I don't know. Were you angry? Yes, I was angry. Why were you angry? He took my toy. So why did you punch him in the, he deserved it. And no, did, 
you were getting revenge. Were you getting revenge? Yes. Why? Because it wasn't fair. It's like, so you think you deserve better than what you got? What is that? Well, that's pride and that's selfishness. Now we're at the heart level talking about what's broken inside of you, not just what's broken outside of you, your brother's nose. So we have to fix what's wrong inside of you before we can fix brother's nose. So you have to be consistent. And then you have to use the biblical principle. You have to get the kid to understand you haven't just broken my law, you've broken God's law. So we need some scripture. First five years, you only need one. Ephesians 6, 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. That takes care of about five years of stuff. And then you supplement that with other things that you learn here in church. And the reason why the law is so important, the law is very important. And yet the apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter seven that the power of the law is limited in what it can do. The law of God is very powerful to reveal to us that we have no power to obey the law. That's the purpose of the law. So you, you tell them this child, yeah, you're having a hard time obeying. Why do you think you have such a hard time obeying? I'm just messed up. Yeah, you're bent, you're broken. That's called sin. And we can't change ourselves. We need somebody to save us from sin. Who is that? That's Jesus. So now every discipline opportunity becomes a gospel conversation. And what happened on the cross? Do you remember what happened on the cross? Yeah, Jesus took my sin on the cross. Yeah, who was his father? Father God. And so what was happening on the cross was Jesus was taking my sin. He was getting a spanking from God, not because he had sinned, but because I had sinned. And if I will trust in what Christ did, I will be treated as a son of God. This is a gospel conversation. And then if they've broken something, you have to go back and make it right. And there's the administering of the pain. And when you do that, you need to use a biblical instrument. So what is this thing? You keep seeing it. Here's another one of those verses that has that word in it. Proverbs 29, 15, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. How many of you have seen this mother at the mall being brought to shame by her child? because the child is out of control, begging, whining, pulling, grabbing, and mom doesn't know what to do because she didn't know the first half of the verse. The rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice it doesn't say the rod gives wisdom. Some of you think the rod is like a magic wand, that the moment that it touches the child, the child transforms into a, no. It doesn't say that reproof gives wisdom. It's not just verbal correction, what is it? It's the combination. It's love and discipline, instruction and discipline. That's how God disciplines us. And so what is this rod? We read about this rod and I can just tell you, I do not know. The Bible doesn't tell us what it's made of. It doesn't give us dimensions for the rod, but I am smart enough as a theologian to know what a rod is not. Is that a rod? It's not a trick question. Is that a rod? What is that? That's a hand. And if you read in the Bible about hands that touch children, they're always giving a blessing. Jesus called the little children. He laid his hands on him and he blessed them. This is the instrument of blessing. That's why God wants it to be 
something separate from the parent because you don't, wanna, you don't want the kid associating pain with your hand. You want him associating it with his disobedience. And so there's this rod. And we don't exactly know what that is, but it's not a hand. It's not a club. It's not whatever's closest. It's probably a dedicated instrument for applying the pain of discipline. So I don't know about you, I get in my mind a small wooden stick. Is that what you think of? A small wooden stick? So small that if you were to do it too hard, you'd break the stick and not the kid, right? Something to to create a, a temporary sting, not a bruise, not bleeding, nothing broken. That's not what we're talking about. And some of you are having a hard time even conceiving of that actually happening because that's the way that your parents disciplined you. They disciplined you in anger. That's not biblical discipline. That's called abuse. And if that's what you're doing, you're abusing your kid and you need to stop. Some of you don't ever need to use a rod again because you've demonstrated you can't do it without getting angry. And you need to find another form of discipline. And especially as the children get older, the rod becomes ineffective. You know, there was a time and our, our whole family went to Cedar Point to ride roller coasters and yet one of the children was under discipline. And we're thinking, okay, what would create a little pain? Oh, I know, let's stand in line for an hour to get on a roller coaster. That's painful enough. But how painful would it be if said child had to pass through and wait for the family to finish riding the roller coaster? That was painful. Some of you said that was abusive. No, that was biblical discipline because it created pain, even greater than the pain of a rod at that point. Here's another verse, Proverbs 23, 13. Do not withhold discipline from the child. How clear can that be? If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you do it right. Some of you are doing it wrong and you stop. But if you do it right, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you'll save his soul from Sheol. Wait a minute. I thought trusting Jesus saved his soul from Sheol. Yes, but it is the understanding of the sin that gives him the concept, I need a savior to save me from Sheol, the place of death. Proverbs 22, 8, whoever sows injustice will reap calamity, but the rod of his fury will fail. Understand you fail as a parent when you discipline in anger. The rod of your fury will fail, guaranteed. And so you have to do it the right way, a balance of love and discipline. Last thing, before you start doing it right, you should seek forgiveness for doing it wrong. You see, some of you, You've been deeply impacted by church this morning. And you're thinking, this is it. This is the answer I've been waiting for. I'm so glad we came to church today. You can't wait to get home because you're gonna find a kid, you're gonna find a rod, and you're gonna have revival in your home. Whoa, 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 stop, stop. Time out, time out, whoa. Before you start doing it right, You may wanna grab the kids and set them in a circle, get down on the floor, look them eyeball to eyeball and say, daddy got a spanking from God today in church. I haven't been a good daddy. I've been distant, I've been angry, I've been abusive. And I want to ask your forgiveness. Will you please forgive me? Yes, daddy, 
all right, now listen, this is, this is what, there's gonna be some changes because I gotta be a good dad and I need to get the balance right of loving and discipline. And I've been neglectful, I've been permissive, I've been authoritarian, I wanna be gospel-centered. So here's what God has said to daddy. Disobedience has a price tag. It's painful, it's painful for me, it's painful for you. I'm tired of this low-grade misery we have around the house because nobody really knows when it's coming or what's gonna get you know, dealt with. Here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna, there's gonna be a price tag for disobedience. We're gonna expect first time obedience and, and it's gonna be hard in the few days. It's gonna be greater, it's gonna be later that we're gonna experience all this wonderful, peaceful stuff we're talking about here. But it's, this is, you remember that attitude you had at breakfast this morning? Yes, sir. All right, that, we can't have that tomorrow. If we have that attitude and you throw the waffle at your sister the way you did this morning, then, then when I'm gonna say, go to your room, sit on the bed. Daddy's gonna be there. I want you to think about what you're doing. When I come in there, I'm gonna ask you, what did you do? Why did you do it? And we're gonna look at some scripture and then there's gonna be some pain and we're gonna love you and affirm you and there's gonna be grace and we're gonna get past it, but we're not gonna tolerate disobedience anymore. Everybody understand? Wow, I'm glad we went to church this morning, Dad. I'm so excited. So this, this is what we wanna be, gospel-centered parents. One verse and then we're finished. Why don't you stand up with me and we'll read it together. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your son and he will give you rest. He will bring delight to your heart. Question, is that the way you would describe your relationship with your children? Restful and delightful. If it's not, maybe it's because you're not doing the first part of the verse. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for being a loving heavenly father and dealing with us in grace and God confronting us over our own disobedience. We believe you want to bless. And so God, we wanna fear you, walk in your ways. And I pray for some here today that maybe walking outside the boundaries, ignoring you, living their life as if they were God. And I pray, God, that they would sense your loving, corrective, redemptive discipline and come back to you as Father God. As parents, we ask for wisdom and discernment. And God, I pray for these parents that in the home there would be peace and rest because we're doing it your way. Thank you for Jesus dying on that cross, taking our punishment so that we could know you as a father. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You're loved. Well, that's Trent Griffith praying for parents. If the concept of gospel-centered parenting is new to you, that's okay. There's something right about saying, I have some growing to do in this area. Of course, the challenge is not to be what the book of James calls a hearer only, but also a doer. I hope you'll put some of today's lessons on gospel-centered parenting into action. And if you'd like to visit Gospel City Church for a worship service, just go to mygospelcity.org and click where you see I'm new here. There's information about service times and locations and what to expect when you come. Today is also exciting for us because this is the weekend we're launching our new Gospel City campus in Elkhart County. So if you live anywhere near Elkhart, you'll want to be sure to check out all the information about the new Gospel City Church in Elkhart County, Indiana. Again, just go to mygospelcity.org. 
And if you're looking for details related to our upcoming Good Friday and Easter Sunday services, you can find those at mygospelcity.org slash holyweek. Well, arrows are not meant to always stay in the quiver. They're meant to be shot. And next week, Pastor Trent helps parents know how to launch these arrows, our children, that God has put in our quivers. We hope you'll join us for that. Well, have a God-glorifying Holy Week, Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. And thanks for listening today. I'm Aaron Paulus, and my prayer is that the gospel would resonate in your parenting this week. Resonate with Trent Griffith is a radio and podcast ministry of Gospel City Church. Visit us online at mygospelcity.org.